0: Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast which asks which movies are well worth watching and remembering for all time. Every episode, we discuss a different piece of film history to decide if it should make its way into our movie vault. Filled with questions, trivia, and crazy challenges, it's the perfect way to deep dive into a myriad of movies. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a glimpse of what to expect in today's episode. I thought it should have gone in purely because of sandra bullock's performance but obviously it didn't go in
1: because the Wait, consent what? sandra bullock so did i i've screwed that up that's my <laughs> yes, mistake yeah, julia yeah. roberts <laughs> julia yes. roberts i'm so sorry um
2: <laughs> oh my god not that memorable <laughs> yeah
1: no, you picture they, they, a woman's they, they, eyes they, they, <laughs> and you you just imagine a different face around them i'm sorry like it's the betty davis eyes effect.
2: <laughs>
0: right mr demille i'm ready for my close-up are you not ashamed. i
3: Hi,
1: Mark. Mark. Hey, call me Mr. Tips. I'm that man. Hey, stop the a You
4: you my pretty. Do and and beyond. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off.
2: Well,
0: good movies. Hello and welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that asks which of the movies well worth watching and which deserve to be remembered. For all time, I'm your host David Oscar, and I'm joined by my co-host, our own Hollywood diva, that is Craig Macdonald. Hello, Craig. Yep. <laughs> so many intros recently. You've just been like, "Yep, yeah, just Well, no, it's because
1: comparatively, they could be so much worse.
0: <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been kind recently. I guess that's that's what we're saying.
1: I, I, I don't even think you've been kind. I think it's literally just if I rage at you for every single thing then eventually it's just like nothing pleases. So I just have to try and find some concession somewhere.
0: Right. So Craig, recently uh, we had our episode talking about the Brave Little Toaster. There we sort of alluded to the fact that we're building to 100 official episodes. So obviously things keep changing and growing here for people who are time listeners and have listened since the very beginning. You'll know that the podcast has evolved and grown and uh, we're continuing to do that. Uh, so... I guess this is something that we wanted to do since the beginning, but kind of like the pandemic and stuff has kind of like given us some hiccups and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, we're kind of making it clear now that we're going to have some more reoccurring members of the Well Good Movies team, which we already had kind of established. A lot of these people you already know were frequently on the podcast uh, but they're going to help us with, you know, the different segments of the show and make sure that we got, you know, the Well Good Movies team who you can sort of more familiarize yourself with and and hear episode to episode. So we can't wait to introduce just some of them uh, this episode, but it will be changing. So over in VHS corner is one of the instigators of the 2023 Demolition Man drama. <laughs> it is Sarah Williams. Hello, Sarah.
2: Hello. Hello. I'm... I'm- I'm hanging my head as I walk into this podcast episode. I'm sorry for the chaos that I've caused.
0: I was like, how do I sum up uh, Sarah's inclusion when she's only been on one episode before but has already made such a big impact? I'm like, well, it's with the film that just keeps getting brought up episode on episode.
2: I know, you'll never forget me as that person that brought, you know, Demolition Man into the vault, you know.
0: So how's it feel over in VHS Corner? Is it quite chilled over there? Is it seems quite... Knowledgeable areas, a lot of books or VHSs, I guess.
2: Yeah, you know, there's there's a bit of dusty VHSs that aren't really being used by a lot of people. Obviously, there's a few Blu-rays and you know steel books, but yeah, it's it's nice and cosy in here. Um, hopefully, a lot of people will enjoy the VHS, um, vault over here, corner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, and hopefully, you get some company uh as the weeks go on as well. It'll be like is a dictionary corner I think on a countdown they'll, you know you'll yeah. have like a co-host who might be like you know making jokes and that kind of thing
2: <laughs> so I'm the Susie Dent of well good movies is that what we're saying this week
0: yes Love we'll it. see who Susie Dent is that's one day. of the more favorable comparisons you can get <laughs> on this show to be fair <laughs> I could have just gone with that intro for yourself but I was just like no, you know instigator of <laughs> chaos <laughs> we'll go yes. for that and in terms of this week's film, we haven't obviously discussed what it is yet, uh, Sarah, but are you a classic movies person? Are you are you into sort of old Hollywood? Is this kind of your vibe, would you say?
2: I would definitely say I've not seen enough classic Hollywood, but I'm always keen to go back and see where things have been, you know, taken elements of, you know, that inspired many like modern films or people make, you know, sequels and requels of them all. Um, but yeah, I like going back and watching a black and white film and kind of, you know having that sort of nostalgia and you know the dialogue always makes me laugh
0: yeah definitely and especially with this one so uh yeah and it, it's good to go back to something classic as we've done many times before but it's been quite a while as i'm sure we'll discuss so over to our next uh set of crew members which are joining us so helping us over in the movie vault this week is our now official resident historian as we've often referred to him as our kind of like go-to historian but uh now he's uh agreed that he'll uh help out a lot more often. It is our good friend, uh, Di Hill, uh, who is also completing the duo of Florakis and Hill. But to be clear, I'm not saying the entire name. Di, how, how are you?
4: Hi, hey guys. I'm not doing too bad. That's good. Okay, well, that's so...
0: <laughs> a I'm,
4: I'm a slightly unwell. So if, there's subtly, if people start talking to me and there's a slight gap, it's because I'm slightly under the weather and struggling to focus. So I'll be joining in as much as I can. But mostly listening today, I think.
0: Well, we appreciate the the dedication, Die. Uh, it's like a true historian. You've uh, you've come out um, despite the rain. You know that kind of. And uh,
1: um, please, whatever you do, do not live up to your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can make it die. You're gonna be okay. Don't say that sentence. It's so conflicting. <laughs> You're gonna make it die. <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: as a true. Medical historian. I did spend this weekend in the um, the secret library of uh, St David's Cathedral, reading old medical books about um, kind of medieval lockdowns. So, yeah, if you want any sort of ancient medical information. For this weekend only, I know a bit about it.
0: It's like that, that's not for this episode. That would be impressive if it was. <laughs> yeah. It's just like you know, whatever we're discussing, you're like, I've gone to this like library somewhere in the UK to find out about it. But <laughs> yeah. No,
4: we've literally been an ancient library learning about it.
1: <laughs> it's like the beginning of one of those Channel Five documentaries. Like today, we're looking at the
0: history of all about Eve, and my journey starts here in the medical library of this cathedral. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, Dai, you've been on, I guess, a few more times talking about these kind of like old classic movies. Is your appreciation of them building uh, or decreasing? Uh, obviously, we, you, one of your early appearances was talking about something like Frankenstein. Uh, but then when I look back, you know, we've had things like Charlie Chaplin, et cetera. But then also you've talked about like modern masterpieces like Thunderbirds. So w- which do you prefer? <laughs> well, I,
4: I find, well, particularly doing this with you guys. I've got more and more into anything that is an adaptation of something else. I love that comparison of things and to see like, you know, where things are coming from and what bits they're picking on and what they're not and how they're adapting things. And, you know, you've got then, you've got a rule of what, what makes a thing good and then you can compare it to what, you know, maybe is better, maybe is worse. You know, Frankenstein, better than the book. Thunderbirds, not as good as the <laughs> original show. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's fun that way.
0: And as I alluded to as well, we are joined by the other half of the duo that was originally Florakis and Hill. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out one of our Endgame specials from back in the day. Uh, so it is our resident film brain, Stefanos Florakis. Hello, Stefanos.
3: Hello, darling. <laughs> How are you doing today?
0: <laughs> what a. Uh... Appropriate way to come on to this episode, considering what and we're talking about. And come on about. to David. <laughs> but also just come on to, yeah, the introduction of yourself into uh, into our, our circle as well.
3: Oh, absolutely, darling. I mean, thank goodness I quit smoking two, three years ago, because right now I'll be dying in cancer.
0: So I guess by that, do I really need to ask the question about like old classic movies for yourself? Again, you've previously like reeled off all the winners of the Oscars, etc. In, in the past, so... But then you also see all all the new stuff that comes out too. So, I don't know, is it kind of 50-50 in your head? Do you find yourself going back to the old stuff a lot? Or, or are they just kind of like some key ones that you love?
3: Well, just like the date of release of the film we're going to talk to, it is 50-50. So, uh, it, it really depends. Um, obviously, there is the appreciation of it. And especially like during that period, is a very fascinating study to do because of the things like uh like you guys already mentioned that there's a lot of things that we took away from um but also there are some other aspects about that time period and even before that that is kinda well dodgy say the least uh, um so I am glad that we are better than that even though how things are going right now in Hollywood, not as big of an improvement as it should have been. Uh, but yeah, like, but but I do see it all as a cautionary tale. And yeah, and this specific film did a lot of things that I kind of forgotten about, uh, as it is some things that we have taken, like, for granted now. But back then, it was way ahead of its time. So yeah, I'm... It, is, it still is a 50-50, because uh, we could go into details afterwards, but for this specific film, I am actually excited to talk to, uh, even though Sasha Boulevard was better. <laughs> Anyways.
0: <laughs> We've teased uh, this film enough already, so Craig, for those who didn't catch our last episode, can you just catch us up on how we came to talk about this film and what it is we are talking about? So last episode we were discussing The Neon Demon and in
1: the end we had an end game all about the names of chemical elements in various films where David took on our guest Kelechi and Kelechi was the victor and decided to go with her film choice for this week which is all about Eve from 1950.
4: Honoured members, ladies and gentlemen for distinguished achievement in the theatre the Sarah Siddons Award, to Miss Eve Hattie.
0: I'm going to take you to Margot. Oh, no. Oh, yes, she's got
3: to meet you. She's quite a girl, this what's-her-name. Eve. I've forgotten they grew that way. I take
4: it
0: she read well.
3: It wasn't a reading, it was a performance. Brilliant. Vivid, something made of music and fire.
0: How nice. After all you've said, don't you know that part was written for Margo? It might have been 15 years ago. It's my part now.
2: You're quite a girl. You think?
0: Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be
4: a bumpy night.
1: Just to go into a little bit of details about this film, the synopsis is a seemingly timid but secretly ruthless Uh, In instigates herself into the lives of an aging Broadway star and her circle of theatre friends. So this is a film which is directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, also known for various films such as Honeypot, Cleopatra, Guys and Dolls, and Julius Caesar, for which he also wrote those along with this film, uh, as well as Mary Orr, who goes uncredited uh, for this role. Music by Alfred Newman. Cinematography by Milton R. Krasner. Editing... By Barbara McLean. Insofar as the cast, we have uh, starring as Margot Bette Davis, uh, we have Anne Baxter as as Eve Harrington, George Sanders as Addison DeWitt, uh, Celeste Holm as Karen, Gary Merrill as Bill Simpson, Hugh Marlowe as Lloyd Richards, edit not as my notes as edited Hugh to Hi. It's not <laughs> Hi Marlowe, it's Hugh Marlowe. <laughs> And finally, with an appearance from Marilyn Monroe
0: as Miss Caswell. So, that is All About Eve. Cool. Well, we can't wait to deep dive into All About Eve and eventually ask the question of whether it deserves the honour of a place in our movie vault, our vault that encapsulates memorable movies for all time. And interestingly, you know, nope. will this carry on the string or will this change the rumber? we haven't had a... Movie Vault entry now for three episodes, guys. So that's also uh, quite interesting in terms of our discussion. But I don't want to influence anything in that way. Do we? Want I don't to want to so- influence, but I'm going to point out we haven't had a win for a while. <laughs> but also, do you want to stick to that that streak as well? You know, you could take it either way. God, you're a used car salesman! I swear to God. <laughs> so yeah, all about E from 1950. I think what's really cool about discussing this film is that definitely this year we have had a lot of. 80s, like late 80s, 90s, or sort of like early noughties, there's definitely been a lot of different sort of themes and vibes that we've had throughout the year. And I think that this is kind of refreshing to go back to something a bit more classic, you know, old school Hollywood um, and kind of see the differences a bit like what Stephanos was alluding to there at the beginning. So to give us a bit of context for that time period and for Hollywood in the 50s, I go to our guys in you know, helping us out in the movie vault this week. Dai. have you got anything interesting just about this sort of time period in general in terms of uh, the 1950s or is it mainly sort of over to Steph for sort of the movie kind of stuff, do you think?
4: Well, the main bit of broad context that I think kind of overwhelms this movie is the Hays Code era. Um, Is the sort of ultra-conservativism going on in society and it really kind of seeps through this movie um, right down to the fact that the famous part of the Hays Code is that you couldn't see like a married couple in, or you couldn't see two people in bed together without people having their legs out or whatever. Um, in this movie, when there's a married couple in their bedroom together, they've got separate beds on either side of the room. Um, it's so obsessed with desexualizing and conservating whatever, um, all of the people. Um, and so that's the thing to really bear in mind, And I think, you know, really, really informs this movie.
0: And uh, Steph, what would you say in terms of like just the kind of vibe for the movies of this time and what we were saying, like the kind of the stars, you know, was it all about those kind of like actors and those studios and, and the stories again, it's not like now in which you kind of have to pull somebody in with kind of a franchise or kind of like sequels, you know, this very much was in terms of like the kind of art itself, you know, was what heightened these movies in terms of like, you know, was it a compelling story? Was it like a really great romance? You know, was there like a big star which you had to go see?
3: So the f- interesting thing about it is the fact of how cynical it is. It, I mean, it's not like we didn't, that in the, that we didn't have other cynical films about the performance arts uh, back then, but this is something very specific about female actors in the performance arts and the fact that even when they go to the to the lengths of becoming as cruel and cunning as the men counterparts in the industry, they still don't have power. <laughs> I mean, not many things have changed, unfortunately. But it is interesting that that was sort of a conversation back then. Even though I don't, I tried to look at other reviews. And there weren't many reviews who were discussing about that. They were discussing about specifically about the character being the villain. But in today's eyes, in today's windows, we can see very differently. And that is how I took it. And but yeah, but the haze code is very much there. And once Dice said it, I could feel the bones inside me just shivering. Uh, <laughs> But there but there's still a lot of things that work for it. Like one thing that it was a big deal back then is the fact that Betty Davis was playing a character of her age. It's, it, it's not like it wasn't a heard of, but for fact, for, for the fact that someone as big as her to play that kind of character almost to a point of felt very more autobiographical even though it is not and and may i even say like maybe there is some queer coding in there because it is very much well known that betty davis was very much queer but you know but there are those things in there she was always able to bring that out in her performance even though not many people were able to read it well the right people were able to read it and that's what really mattered but yeah there's a lot of different things and also like a bit of a stretch but that's how my brain works the character of dewitt he was one of the very rare times where i see a, a critic having that kind of power just because he has an outlet and that kind of you know fortunately how we are right now of other men of that kind of power getting an outlet and saying things that shouldn't be said. And and unfortunately, yeah, there's a lot of those, those things and I really was surprised. While at the same time still having a humour with it, which again, it was something that a lot of these films needed to have back then. And especially because it was after the Second World War. Uh, so they needed to bring back all the audience that they lost due to the creation of TV uh, back to the theatres. Um, but even then, there was, even though there was still the charm that we all know of the classic era of Hollywood, it still ended up being way darker while following the Hayes Code, while having all those restrictions, but still providing the story that kind of stayed alive. And then we kind of trying to. Not replicate, I don't like the the word replicate uh, or copy, but evolved to the more sociopolitical elements that we're starting realising were active around us.
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting, actually, I suppose, when you look at it from the point of view of the, the dark, cynical aspect of it, especially, as you said, being kind of after the war, because you can easily watch it and be like oh yeah you know classic hollywood movie especially when you've got somebody like marilyn monroe appearing but that idea of you know the big lines and kind of like elements of romance and the big sweep in music but then again when you look at something like you know gone with the wind or something like that in which which is more kind of during the war period or you know potentially could be said just before in terms of maybe production or the kind of like audience it was going for you know that is more of a kind of an epic and kind of this sweeping romance and a lot of films which then you know would get compared or mentioned within this time you know it, they can be maybe more genre pieces or you know adaptations of books um and i think that you have something like singing in the rain which as you said then is probably that more idealistic hollywood representation whereas this has gone down that more so sort of like darker more cynical route um which Things like Sunset Boulevard, as we've mentioned, could be aligned with. And then, you know, films which do involve those kind of, you know, male, female sort of like protagonists, antagonists. So you've got like, you know, The Apartment, Rebecca, a lot of the stars of these this film, you know, sort of crossing over into the different ones. So, yeah, it, it, it is very indicative of this time. But, yeah, it, it's a good point that it's not actually just, oh, this is a typical 50s Hollywood movie. It You know, it's very much speaking to a kind of like like what we were talking about with the eighties and stuff recently about like commenting on maybe the kind of people's vibe and feeling of that time of being a a sort of darker period. And maybe creatives were feeling that as well in terms of our experiences then, and talking about, you know, the story and everything like that. uh, Let's go through what people's experiences are with this film. So Sarah, have, had you ever seen this before? Was, was, was it one you knew much about?
2: I'll be honest and say that I'd never even heard of this title before. Well, However, once I told people that I was going to watch it, they like, oh my gosh, you've never seen that film. I was like, I've, it's never been on my radar. Absolutely never been on my radar. Um, like I said, I'm trying to watch more classic films. Um, and ashamedly, as I was watching this film, it took about two thirds into the film that I realised that was Betty Davis. And I, I turned to my housemate who I was watching this with, I was like, is that, the, that who that song's about? <laughs> and it just sort of clicked. I was like, oh, okay. Because we were commenting on her eyes. So I was like... That makes a lot of sense. Um, It was very much a mind-blowing kind of moment. But um, yeah, I like I said, didn't know anything about this film going into it. I didn't watch any trailers this time. So yeah, I was going in very much sort of fresh face and just, yeah, I think that was the best way. Because I think these older trailers, I don't know if anyone else agrees, but the sort of the classic films, their trailers gave a lot away um, in terms of the plots and sort of, you know, yeah. So I'm glad I went into this sort of not knowing anything.
0: And they already kind of want to line you up in terms of maybe what you're going to feel or something. They're like a sweeping romance, a thing for the decade, you know, and they're using all these big sort of like, yeah, it's the voiceovers, isn't it? On the old
2: trailers. Um, Exactly.
0: I think that almost sounds like a similar experience I sometimes have with older movies or like classic ones or sort of ones ingrained in pop culture in which I'll watch them for the first time and then be like, oh, that's what the Simpsons was referencing. (laughs) So that moment of being like, oh, that's who the song is about that kind of that moment. Yeah. yeah, I think for myself, it you know, it's maybe not as far as like not hearing about it at all, but it was definitely one which I knew the name and maybe sort of knew the, the the stars and stuff. But yeah, I had never actually sort of sat down and watched this one specifically. Again, I think because there's so many classic Hollywood films that are kind of on those lists and you see certain ones. Um, but this one I don't find is, is you know, as, as kind of... I wouldn't say as highly recommended because as you say, everyone you t- talk to about it is kind of like, oh my God, it's an amazing film. But I don't think it's kind of like... Um, a sort of breakfast at Tiffany's or something like that in which you kind of you know know the poster and that kind of thing so yeah this yeah. was the first watch for myself uh Craig what about yourself
1: I'm with i was Sarah on this I'd never heard of it never watched it
0: before and die? yeah I'd heard
4: of it um and I knew well you know the kind of image of it being kind of Hollywood glamour and that's about it uh and I knew um What's her son? Marilyn Monroe. I knew that was a, an early one of hers. I think this is why I'd come across it. But that was it, really. I didn't know the plot. I didn't know don't know much about Betty Davis other than that she's you know was this kind of icon who persevered throughout her whole life. Um, but yeah, beyond that, it was all a bit new to me.
0: And Stefanos, I would, it's not so much probably a rare occurrence for you in which you're in a room in which you're like, I've seen that film, but nobody else has, because that probably happens to you quite a lot, but maybe with such a famous movie, that's a bit more rare. So yeah, you, you have had a lot more experience with us, with this film. So what, what was your previous experience with All About Eve?
3: So it's always been one of those classic films that I was always either hearing about, or it was always on TV or I've seen segments about it, and and I'm pretty sure I've seen it multiple times. I just don't know. You know, it's the same way as with Star Wars. Like I know I have seen it more than fifty times. Not by choice, all of them. It was just my dad putting the VHS in, and just and I was a baby, so I had no well, I had no saying about this. Uh, So it was one of those cases. But then I was getting older, I was getting into film and cinema. And then I started hearing, you know, things. Like uh, All About Eve was within at least at that time within the s- film circles was known about two things. Uh one of that this is possibly the be- the biggest film of Betty Davis. Like like for a long time, if I would hear about only one film about Betty Davis, it was this one. Uh until someone will bring up Baby Jane. Uh so it was always those two. And the second one, the fact that it won the Oscar instead of Sanson Boulevards. And there was a period that I was uh dismissing the quality of All About Eve because I prefer Samson Boulevards. Uh yeah, that was top. Past toxic me, I'm not like that anymore. I love all films equally now. Uh, but yeah, Sunset Boulevard is better. Oh,
1: I, I but, 100% agree
4: with but, that.
3: Yeah, like, but again, mainly because Sansa Boulevard is closer to the kind of films I like. Uh, but yeah, that was the two things that I knew about the most. Uh, but yeah, but then you know, I started uni, I started watching more of these films, and yeah, then I became more critical about them. And yeah, so that is sort of the relationship. And to be fair, I watched it again for after like nearly a decade uh for this podcast. So which is very interesting because now that I have a very different perspective on cinema. And and yeah, there was sometimes that I my stupid brain. Sometimes we think, you know what, this would be a really fun episode in an like indie low budget, uh, comedy on a streamer. <laughs> like that's how it felt sometimes. Like I easily see Phoebe Waller Bridge writing that kind of script. True. It's
0: funny about the way this film has come about as well, is because it feels like we've gone through so many of like the, the themes and films that got influenced by this before talking about this movie. So the fact that we talked about showgirls, we talked about Neon Demon, which led to us talking about this and all of them are playing with those same ideas of, you know, people who, you know, aspire to somebody else and, you know, are using like ruthless tactics and kind of giving you a, a sort of window into like a certain world, whether that, you know, be dancing or the theater, etc. So it's interesting to watch from that perspective, you know, kind of to go back to what we were saying with Sarah of that kind of like, oh, this is what that's referencing or, or that's why I know this person. So not only are you kind of watching like, oh, that that's where this film has got that inspiration from, like literally with this podcast now, we're like, oh, OK, you know, that's why that was happening when we were discussing this film or that's what they were trying to do or, you know, have been inspired by um, as to the success, <laughs> I'm sure. You know, Craig would have his thoughts there, especially when it comes to showgirls. Why me specifically? <laughs> because you've been on both Neon Demon and Showgirls as episodes no one else has. <laughs> yeah, I've stumped him for once. <laughs> you haven't stumped me. I'm just not going to argue with you. Um Sarah, I guess you already did mention it. But, you know, what do you think in terms of like the, the vibes you get? From, do you think it is kind of like, oh, yeah, this is... Well, obviously, we've said that this is indicative in some ways of films that are made in that era but do you think it is interesting when you look at just how vastly different they are to films that we might get now or you might get in the 80s or the 90s?
2: Yeah definitely when I was watching this I was thinking about how okay maybe you know the camera movements and stuff aren't that you know creative like with what we get today you know in terms of you know tracking shots and you know these creative upside down cameras and all this but In that era, I guess it's more about the script and dialogue because a lot of people may be used to the theatre, trying to find their sort of footing with what people like, you know, trying to get people into the cinema as opposed to the theatre, I think was a massive thing. Um,
0: I guess like people had more like there'd be like an intermission, you'd watch multiple films or there might be like a short film that plays beforehand and stuff.
2: Yeah, you have a B-movie and everything. So it's a whole kind of experience. It feels like a whole, you're going for an evening out, whereas... Whereas nowadays, I guess it's more casual and you want that fast paced. You might want that fast editing that, you know, they couldn't necessarily do back in the day. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because I really like the sort of the set design. There was one moment where they were in a house. I think it's the sort of the party for Bill. It's like a delayed party. It really, and this is, again, this is a very modern view to say, but it really reminded of WandaVision. You know, they sort of do those flashback scenes and obviously it's, it's, it's homaging these kind of films and this era it literally felt like that in terms of the whole set design and the costumes, um, which, you know, again, it's, it's not original by any means, but it's, it's having that sort of, you know, that question you were saying about will modern sort of people look back at these films and look at the different techniques. And yeah, I mean, looking further into this film, this film has been referenced by a lot of people. It was on um, William Friedkin's like, you know, some of his favorite films that he mentioned that I watched recently um, it's yeah i think it's one of these because the, the themes are so strong regardless of how it's filmed or you know maybe the messaging at time or what the cultural impact was it seems to have lasted you know 70 years on really um so i think it's 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 always going to be sort of relevant um regardless of the quality and maybe you know sort of simple cinematic techniques in some ways um because it's such a strong script and performance it's always going to be there
0: Yeah, I guess potentially that's why sometimes these films, the story, as you mentioned, and the performances stand out more because, you know, the scores are very similar. It is that kind of like, right, bring in the person to do the big theatrical, you know, do sweeping music, you know, the same as they did in some other film, which almost, again, is like the theater. And because you would have orchestras just playing, you know, right, play that thing that you played in the last one or, you know, something like that. The shots are more kind of like static. You get that whole typical Scene in a car in which, like, there's a screen behind them or something, and then you just get that like awkward shot in which it's like, oh, the lighting's gone really bad by here because they're now outside, they're not in a kind of like brightly lit studio. So, yeah, definitely here, the kind of performances, the story, the dialogue, especially, is a lot more front and center. So, I guess before we get on to that stuff, is there anything else technically anybody would sort of mention about this film?
4: Yeah, I'd say what Sarah was saying, um, the thing that while the camera work is not, you know, fantastically elaborate and the editing is quite slow, they make up for that in the blocking. Um, So as in, you know, with a theatre play, it's all about the movement of the characters and how they relate to each other. And through that, it allows an actor to, you know, really express and go wild with their performance. Um, So, yeah, that's something which you don't see in a lot of modern movies where people tend to stand still a lot and explain things to each other. This is a movie where the camera moves with people rather than cutting at them. Um, so yeah, that's kind of when you've got very simple camera stuff, you re- replace it with elaborate movement and blocking.
3: Also, um it, it does have, which I completely forgot about it, it has one of the most interesting thematically and also creatively shots and it's the final one, the very final shots with the uh, with basically the new Eve. Uh, holding the awards from the mirrors, I was seeing all these r- almost like replicas of uh, like this is like the ongoing like chain of new new come new coming actors, no matter of talent or promise, all of them just continuing that chain of of corruption of being under the control of this chaotic industry, and yeah, it's very fascinating one. That it really reminded me. I don't know why it came to my head, but it really reminded me of the final shot of the favorite uh, by Yorgos Lanthimos. It had a very similar thematic um, sort of feeling to it. That this is like an uh, like an unending uh, suffering to it, and it was a very interesting one. It was a very interesting because yeah, like like you all said, it. Generally speaking, it is a quite simple filmmaking uh, overall. Uh, it's like it, these shots almost like being a play, uh, which again, it was like one of the best things for that era. If you were into plays but you weren't able to afford going to go into a play, there you go. You had that on the big screen at an affordable price. So That was the beauty of it. And I actually they did mention in the film as well. But that specific shot in the end is the most cinematic the film has been, Um, which also I do feel is sort sort of an irony when you have a film about theater people saying, well, very bad things about the Hollywood system. Here we have a very cinematic shot basically critiquing theater people themselves.
1: This film has one of the slowest openings I've ever dealt with. like I understand in this critique of the industry and you know, sort of build up exactly what they're trying to do. but my God, there did not need to be as much narration as there was talking about like the skill of the actor. You could trim some of that back like it 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 felt overly pretentious, and it was a bit of a block for me for a while as to what it is the film was actually trying to achieve. Like, I don't think you, I don't think you fully get the effect of, you know, just how toxic this industry can be with having some people be so congratulatory about it, especially in that particular way. Um, yeah, I will say a lot of the narration of this film bothered
0: me. Hmm. Yeah, the change in narrators, I thought, was quite interesting angle to go at it from. And I was impressed sometimes, again, with some of these older films in which I was like, OK, I'm like engaged in the story from the get go. I think the way that they kind of like untangle things, maybe it's a bit like what Dai was saying, it's a bit that the the setup and the blocking and everything kind of helps you to be a bit more like in the story and feel like you're watching something like a theater production. Um, so I didn't have as much problem with the kind of like, yeah, the buildup. Um, but you do often, these films are kind of a bit more famous, I suppose, as well for kind of like giving you the nitty gritty like right at the end as well especially with some of the older films we watched in the past so much like you get like at that two hour mark and you're like right where's this going and then like the last 10 20 minutes are like crazy or something which you're like oh right okay here it is oh yeah i
1: fully enjoyed the last 20 minutes of this film i think had the majority of the film been, i think a bit a bit tighter like that i would have had like a much smoother experience
0: Hmm, yeah interesting i think it's quite effective in terms of like building up those characters and i think. You know, I enjoyed it a bit like what Steph was saying in terms of... I I
1: think it's effective of building up some characters. There are some where I have issues.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think uh, like uh, Stephanos was comparing it to Sunset Boulevard. It's that same effect of like, I'm interested in this character um, and this character. Yeah, but like
1: the characters in Sunset Boulevard, I think are the ones driving the action. I think the characters where I need to see more of what they're doing throughout the film and not the ones that we actually see a lot of focus on. So, for example, for a film which is all about Eve, Mm. I'm genuinely surprised (laughs) a lot of the plot didn't actually show Eve doing these things. A lot of it is just, like, notice how even the flip for, like, you know, the main character not liking her is literally being told by her friend, I don't like her because this is what she's doing. She's like, oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, I'm not going to like it now anymore. It's just, why can't we not just see more of those interactions before you have that sort of penny drop moment? Mm. Like why can't we see more instances of Eve actually trying to just do these things rather than just set up in- instantly go into this, right?
2: Yeah. I completely really agree with Craig. I mean, I thought I thought that uh Margot was Eve for a lot of the time. Yeah. So it's like, I was really confused. It's like like you say, like, we don't see a lot of Eve. And I'm like, Oh, who? when it first happens, like there's that scene in the um dressing room. I think it's when Bill first came in and I was like, Oh, is she Eve? Who's Eve? Like the, the lack of eveness in this film is insane like i like i wanted to see like say those off-screen moments on screen mm-hmm. i wanted to see her being like a little kniving little deceitful little woman like yeah, manipulating the,
1: everyone the worst that we see for a while is that she takes that dress and imagines herself in it which yeah. i don't think is that vindictive to be honest like
2: no. it's
1: a nice dress I can imagine yeah. some people, if they had the chance, would be like, yeah, this is, this would be nice. It doesn't scream, I'm going to wreck your entire life mm. <laughs> just to get what I want. Yeah.
2: Like, it's not, not very even a psycho killer, is it? You know, yeah, not so. even
1: any significant hints that she like wants Bill as well, because that also just
0: feels like the, yeah, I just need to have everything you have, which includes your man, I guess. For me, I, I guess the, the imbalance, which I can see what you're saying is, which I felt was maybe, yeah, the, the Margot Eve was strange and I did think like oh well I thought this was all about Eve this seems to be all about Margot and so I enjoyed the fact that they kind of used Margot to kind of show that kind of like frenzy that somebody can get into or that kind of like somebody says that one or two things and you kind of are consumed by this idea which You know, later on, I think it's quite effective when it's like her and Bill having that argument and, you know, he's saying about like, you know, I can't believe we're having this conversation. Where does this all come from? And then as he walks away, she's like, are you going to see Eve? And he's just like, you know, right there, I've now understand how how this is happening. So I think to show it from her point of view, you could have done that more effectively by centering more on Eve. But I... I think what they were going for, and which I do think is effective, is the fact that they're, they're showing everyone else's reaction to Eve. So f- to me, I don't think that she should have been more front and center. I don't think that you should have seen her like but, being more scheming and knieve But my, uh,
1: ish, my issue then is that she seems to get a significant amount of punishment by the end of the film. Mm. For somebody who like doesn't seem to warrant it, I think the frenzy effect is more effective when it turns out that the person's just actually innocent. If you, if you know what I mean, if it's literally everyone's interpretation sort of poising the mind and it turns out actually, no, there's nothing wrong with this. Um, it, it doesn't seem as like interesting as this, this person's being bad. Oh yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're being bad.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess I kind of see it as just the, this is the circle of it keeps happening. You know, as Stefanos was saying with the end shot, I think that, yeah, it is strange that again, Margot has so much. I'm
1: just saying narratively, it just doesn't feel as satisfying. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think the fact that Margot takes up so much of that time, what I think is effective is just the fact of like showing everyone's reactions to her and kind of almost the film saying, oh, it's all about Eve, but she kind of just goes under the radar for so long. Again, that is part of her plan, really, that she's like, I'm just innocent and I'm just doing this. And it is very much a sudden change when you see her because a lot of the things she's doing... She's doing what you don't see on screen. And then the one scene in which you do see her do that is to Karen, is it? In which she then says like, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, tell the papers what you did, etc. So that's where you see that turn, which, yes, is quite late in the game to have that. But I don't know. I think in some ways it is more effective because you've seen her as the innocent that everyone else has seen her for for, for so long. Um. So by the end of it, I kind of see it as more like they're the jaded characters that have been affected by her manipulation um but again it's not to say that she's been impacted or hard done by it it's just going to happen again like i
1: don't i don't disagree with all of these things in principle i just think pacing wise Mm. they just for me there needed to be a different balance right i think everything you've described i think can work yeah if literally there's just a little bit more right if there's just a little bit more time you see them sort of together and just see the ways in which she sort of operates within personal life. Mm -hmm. Then the hint of right. Oh, this is what she's doing is dropped. Mm -hmm. Then there's more time to dwell on that. And then you basically sort of analyze more of these moves. I agree with you. I don't think she needed to be like, they didn't have to be like a lot of this maliciousness, but they just needed to be things that you could read malicious intent into. I just don't think there was enough of that. Before just the sort of penny dropped is no 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 she's she's being manipulative, yeah. Yeah. so I don't disagree agree with you in concept. I'm just saying pacing wise, it just needed to be a it just needed to be a bit more spread out. Yeah, like the
0: film's two and a half hours long. I think it had the time it could yeah. do that, thing. and it does a lot of big leaps. You know, it does like she was in that play and then she won the award. You know, go back to <laughs> you like okay, yeah, she's so especially
1: sweet. considering I also think you need a you also need something to sort of link up to the sort of end conclusion of just. You're not actually Eve Harrington at all. You're this other woman who's just turned out to be a total psychopath. Her parents are alive and they're looking for you. Yeah, and just... and
0: I was wondering where this was going. Is this going to be like, you know, you're a murderer and you killed somebody? I was like, oh God. But I'm glad they stuck on the kind of like actors, performers or train rather than going down some crazy kind of like mystery box thing. But uh, I'll go to the other person whose first time this was a first time watch. So Dai, what's your overall thoughts of the movie?
4: Yeah, well, I was going to say, I, I agree to a large extent with Craig. Um, I think the whole thing of Eve not f- featuring that much is all about building a suspense of is she genuinely a villain or not, and it's, to, it's about building suspense. But I think it, the point where it falls down is that, as you say, there's not really any scenes highlighting between Margot and Eve. You know, we're not really learning about their relationship. There's a huge opportunity for them to maybe have a friendship or have like a mentorship or you know, build any kind of relationship other than just this sort of vague master-servant thing. And then when it comes to the twist and everything goes wrong, they don't have any kind of confrontation or scene together. The whole conclusion really is that kind of Margot says, oh, well, I'm abandoning acting altogether and becoming a wife. And Eve is literally just in another room for that point. So, yeah, I think it loses a lot of its dramatic um, resolution. It builds up a lot of tension with the kind of what's Eve all about. But then it completely drops it by, you know, not really highlighting or, or focusing on the relationship between the two lead characters. It It's left for everybody else to just faff about. And none of the other characters are really particularly interesting.
1: Yeah, because there's that one um, snide line be- uh, that Margot gives to Eve after she's accepted that award. And that's it.
0: Again, I think, that's that's where it does seem like they're kind of like entranced by margot and by just the sheer fact of production wise like you know Beth davis so i think the fact that they want to kind of go with like these are all the people jaded by her and they're at that award ceremony and she thanks each one of them so i think if it wasn't Beth davis playing margot then it might be more of a balanced kind of like these are all the people jaded and affected by her but because it was Beth davis it was like we need to focus more on her so like you said they do set it up to be these two central characters but I think they probably didn't ideally intend that it's just because they had bet Davis in it then it had to become she was a bigger character but she was still a part of the group of people that were jaded uh, by it by the way can we just establish this
1: now cuz it's a, it's dawned on me that the way that David and I are saying her name is different to everyone else's yeah sorry I was is it it's Betty Davis as opposed to Beth Davis David and I've screwed this up haven't we <laughs>
2: I'd say Betty Davis.
1: Yeah, because if this if it is the song, she's got Betty Davis eyes. Oh yeah, then, yeah, true, so, we, yeah. so yeah, we've screwed this up. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying this now so it's we not don't not get like a, lambasted yeah. for this I I was later. Like, on. In my head,
0: I was like, I'm sure everyone said Betty Davis, but then I looked at her name and I'm like, wait.
1: Well, yeah, because we're thinking of like Beth Midler, but that's spelled <laughs> yeah. like
0: Beth Midler. So, oh, yeah. okay. so we, yeah, that's on
1: us.
3: I mean, if makes you feel any better, it's 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 a fake name. It's actually a nickname. Oh, that in that case, I like, couldn't give a shit. By um, a close friend of hers. And because I think the studio wanted her to change her actual name, she was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to choose my name for you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make my first name shorter. So eat that or I'm going to leave. She was a badass. Oh,
0: yeah. fair, fair, fair. So, Steph, I guess, does it come down to you to then, like, massively defend this film? Or...
3: <laughs> um, Massively? But...
0: Well, I guess you've already, by your admittance, yeah, Sunset Boulevard is better. So I guess you've already kind of, yeah, you're not like its biggest fan. In...
3: No, it's no, it's 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 a phenomenal film, but again, it's one of those films that I've known for so long that I cannot see differently to what it is. You know, it, I think there, I think we all kind of have these films where we cannot see them dif- like being any other way. So it was always one of those things. But the thing that I realized watching it now is by the way, all those criticism you all gave, they are very valid but only if we think of it as a film made today or at least made approximately to a time period that we are very familiar because this kind of narrative is very—you—it's a very normal back then. It was a very normal narrative. Also the, The fact that it's two hours long and longer, it's, well, it was during that time where they had to be that long, so they would have a good excuse to be in as many theaters as possible so they can attract people going there. Uh, That is why during those three decades, we had films three, four hours long because they needed to prove a point. Um. So yeah, that's for sure something that I can agree that the pacing in the first hour is quite slow. But the way I see it, though, it's I don't even though the title is all about Eve, it's not though. It's I the way I view it, it's about the the performance industry and specifically the theater industry that is very, well, very socially classed to be to the biggest and like most powerful people in, in the social elite. And, and the fact of how a reputation of an artist, especially of a woman, can change drastically just based on third account stat- statements. Because I, I truly think that every perspective we see is not the truth. I don't see, I don't think we ever see the actual objective truth of what actually occurred until the very end when DeWitt reveals himself to be the actual villain of the story. And unfortunately, it is the person who is our narrator, is the one who has created Eve's career up up to the point where she gains the awards and goes to Hollywood. That, That is my interpretation of it. Now for Betty Davis, yes, that is true that I do believe Margot's character wasn't supposed to be that big, but because Betty was part of it, they had to make some adjustments. Um I do think it still was a debatable thing for the Oscars because both Betty Davis and Anne Baxter were for leading actress, uh, which is very unfortunate because I do think Betty is if is- she should have gone for supporting. And she would have have won. Um, But yeah, it's one of those things that there's there's so many different factors in here about the narrative, the pacing, and the length, the running time of its character. But yeah, the way I view it, I view it as an ensemble. I view it as an ensemble piece of all these different characters. Um, Even the fact that each character is something different. Uh, there's none of them actually doing the same kind of like role in the theater i find that very interesting that's why each perspective is very different than others and the fact that the most human perspective you could say it's karen's because karen is the one who is not part of the industry is married to it but she's the only one who sees the human elements of each one and the fact that the only one who saw the sensitivity of Eve is her. But I do think her experience with everyone else has basically take, taken down her empathy. Um so yeah, I I think there's a lot of things in here. There's a big conversation uh about it. Um but again, yeah, it's very, it's very entertaining for me to see all your all your ideas and perspectives about this as you this is your first time watching it. Because I am wondering how I would have been if I watched it for the first time.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm just so conflicted now on whether she's such a Karen because she's like empathetic and sympathetic. I'm like, oh, she's she's not a Karen. But then, like you said, she was also jaded and This know, was like also like 50 by... years ago, David. <laughs> <laughs> she probably was like that then, but grew up. But how great would it be if we watched a film from 1940 and there was a character called Karen who was just an absolute arsehole and you're like, oh yeah, it's always been the way. <laughs> and I think for me, it's, you know, go back as well what you were saying earlier Sarah about you know the technical aspects compared to things like the writing I think for me it's because the themes are so strong and they're so compelling that you know that does help me in the way that I was sort of watching it and that it does sort of carry through some of the kind of like pacing issues or character issues a bit more because they're so strong and clear in what they're trying to say there's so many films now and maybe even back then which would be like those themes become secondary. And I think, you know, we could all agree again that a film which has its intent on what it wants to be and what it wants to say first is always better than the other way around. Um, So, and again, as to how successful this is, I probably would agree with Stefanos and Craig. I think the Sunset Boulevard does it better. Um, But I do still appreciate the way that it kind of like shows that kind of like cynicism of Hollywood and the kind of like the way that like... um, actresses could be used and their time in the spotlight and you know that very influential nature of like you know a journalist or writer and and the way that you know things can change and on alter so much even just within like personal dynamics the fact that you know each one of them is telling their point of view f- from their own perspective um but situations are being manipulated by different characters and, and altering I thought it was just a very kind of human and compelling and realistic way of, of showing that Sarah what was the sort of standouts for you in terms of like themes and and, and the storyline in that way?
2: I mean for me I mean I I really appreciate what Steph sort of brought to the table I've not really looked at it in that way I I, I took it very much face value I would say um this is a story about theatre and the dynamics of that and these different roles within that um but I think you know the script itself is you know it's it's kind of dare I say like satirical at times it, it makes you know it picks apart the theatre's sort of tropes and um the people in which like inhabit the theater behind the scenes um but I think it's it's really those sort of sharp witty bits of dialogue that a lot of come a lot from Margot uh in this which really sort of stood out for me and you know we've talked about a lot of like sort of General negatives, but I think you know there is a lot of positives in there, and I think it comes from performance, uh, especially from Betty Davis. Like I've, you know, never seen her in anything else before, so this is my sort of introduction to her, and I'm very much invested in much more of her work because she seems like a badass. She seems like you know, both an actress and you know chooses roles which you know broke boundaries at the time, and you know I'm sure Steph can enlighten me on those. But um, yeah, I I think. The themes and the sort of narrative plot points are are quite obvious, but I think it it does what it needs to do and is in the terms of the year it came out, I think, yeah, I think it is effective and probably was effective. I'm sure um, that's why it's lasted so long because it's not only is effective in the 1950s era, it's also effective now with those commentary on, you know, sly critics that are, bring in blondes to parties and tell them to accept drinks with men. Like I felt, I was just like, I was gagged at how like in real that was like to nowadays. And I liked like Marilyn Monroe's like no one's really mentioned Marilyn Monroe, but I loved her character in this. And I could see those little elements of who she was going to become and that kind of self-awareness of the whole theater situation and filmmaking situation. So I found it really interesting in that there's really just really sort of two-handed like comments. I loved from like multiple scenes in this film i think that was just great
0: and just the way the characters respond and the the script, I think, again, is, you know, one of the strongest. Again, like Sunset Boulevard, you know, especially, again, Betty Davis' character. But I think even um, as well in terms of, like, Eve herself, you know, and, and that's helped by Anne Baxter, I think that, you know, they do have some, like, fantastic dialogue to work with here um, and some really, like, memorable ones. You know, there's loads in the quotes, you know, like Sunset Boulevard, again, of, like, that whole idea of, like, it's the pictures that turn small. It's kind of going for that very, like, you know famous kind of like, you know, oh, every line is a kind of like, you know, big memorable line because it's so theatrical and especially Betty Davis is being so kind of like on the nose and kind of bold with every sort of delivery that she has. So I think that that, you know, is what stood out to me. And like you said, it is almost sometimes satirical. I think the fact that even Karen sort of breaks into laughter at one point, you know, I think was quite a great moment in terms of like, it wasn't just, oh she wants that part and they're both fighting for it i liked that her character just go like yeah you know what you know i shouldn't be playing like a character that's too young for me and you know she's happy not to do that role um so then the fact that like Karen sort of breaks into laughter you know about the absurdity of the entire scenario but i thought that's what was interesting is what built up to that is just that kind of How people can get themselves riled up about certain situations which just happen by circumstance or just natural progression in terms of like, yeah, well, we got her there, you know, their car's broken down and she purposely did that because at the time, you know, as she said, she was like, yeah, I think she would see the funny side. And yeah, I think this is the right thing to do because, again, it's showing the party scene, for example, in which that critic could say like. You know, or anybody in that scenario would be like, I don't like the way that she was acting. She needs to be brought down, you know, a level. She needs to be brought down a peg and everyone's motives and reactions to people. And it's that typical thing of like, you know, if you're nice to everybody, then, you know, you, you should sort of get by in life. And I think that this is what that is showcasing as well, is that even if you have that glimmer of an argument or a kind of bad relationship or jealousy, then that can really quickly people can turn on you. And that's what that critics got the power to do that. And then you see other characters kind of use their power in, in that same way. But uh, yeah, I think line wise, you know, there's so many like, you know, great ones. I think some. But when they're just having some of the arguments. So I think one of the ones that stood out to me is when uh, it's like Bill and Margot. And he's like, outside of a beehive, Margot, your behavior would be considered either queenly or motherly. And then she's like, you're in a beehive, pal, didn't you know? We're all busy little bees full of stings making honey day and night. Aren't we, honey? And it's just, again, that use of just, like, taking, oh, bees, honey, ain't ain't they right, honey? So I'm like, you're watching it being like, this isn't realistic because nobody is that clever or on point or, like, witty. You know, all these characters are incredibly witty and incredibly well-versed and you know theatrical but it's you know it's some of the stuff that makes this I kind will, of enjoyable
1: i will say my favorite quote of the film and it just caught me off guard uh it's when de was basically just laying down the law with eve and he just turns at one point and goes that i should want you at all suddenly strikes me as the height of improbability <laughs> i don't know why i just think i just i just sort of went like "Ooh, burn why is that so devastating
2: i feel like there's a lot of films like nowadays where they try and get very like real dialogue which i do like i do like films like that, but i do kind of like the novelty of you know this very obviously it's very sort of self-aware but theatrical kind of you know that's not what people speak like day to day but i liked it in this it was campy it was funny and um yeah I, it worked for me
1: Okay, take those cassettes, rewind them and play them again because it's time for VHS Corner. This week, as already alluded to, we have Sarah walking us through a little bit of the behind the scenes of what's going on, so take it away.
2: As we've mentioned, um, this film has received lots of Oscar nominations and wins, so this holds the record for the most female acting Oscar nominations in a single film with four. We have Anne Baxter, Betty Davis for Best Actress, and Celeste Holm and Thelma Ritter for the Best Supporting Actress. This also shares the record for most Oscar nominations with 14, the same as Titanic and La La Land. On top of that, we have Betty Davis, who also fell in love with her co-star Gary Merrill during the shoot of this film, and the two married in July 1950, a few weeks after filming was completed, and they adopted a baby girl who they named Margot. So it's all all coming round back. It's all about Eve, shall we say. The original working title of this film was Best Performance, so it would have been fun to hear things like George Sanders won the best, won the Oscar for Best Performance by an actor in a supporting role for the Best Performance. As we've mentioned, uh, we also have Marilyn Monroe starring in this film, and there's a scene where Betty Davis mentions playwright Arthur Miller, who Marilyn Monroe later goes on to marry. So again, this is all connecting to a lot of people. And as Stefano mentioned earlier, this was originally written by Mary Orr. And it was based on a short radio play called The Wisdom of Eve, which was published in an issue of Cosmopolitan magazine in 1946, or was inspired by the experience of the Polish born actress, Elizabeth Bergner, who had once befriended a dishonest young actress. And more recently, she claimed the Eve Harrington character was a combination of many young actresses she had met in her experience. So what do you guys think about some of those facts?
0: interesting how the the film incorporated in so many people's lives as well like yeah I, I like the joke there about it's all about eve in the sense of like it is all about eve as in all about eve the film because it has influenced their lives so much and kind of funny that again we're kind of talking about the role of women in hollywood and again you, you know you don't want to be put into this box and have this uh, element of um you know you want to empower them etc but then it's like betty davis found her husband through this film and you're like no no betty but then like they adopted like a, but that's you know, fine like <laughs> we're not we're not saying that women shouldn't get in relationships anymore but uh the fact that it, it was obviously um a very sweet relationship and the fact that it went as far you know that they adopted a baby etc and and was so influential that uh, they named their child after that character that that that's a really nice thing i think
1: I also think it's quite ironic that it was 1950 that gave us the film that had the film for the most acting nominations for women, considering something that we've talked about a lot in the past. You know, a lot of of Oscar nominations for women seem to be either just one or two Mm. films, or even just female-led performances tend to be the ones that Mm. dominate. So the fact that it was back then that it was just one massive ensemble film that got all of these nominations Mm. and... We're meant to have progressed in society. What the hell have we been doing? Or is it just all of the female talent is now being spread out as opposed to just all concentrated into this one film? I think that's an interesting parallel to probably look at sometime.
0: And I guess the fact that the author as well was influenced by so many people, which again makes sense through the dialogue. And I guess even the fact it's based on a book also like lends itself to why this has such a great script. But that also shows- I'm not sure
1: if that's the exact translation, right? I don't think it was like word for word things have been said in the book.
0: But again, like if you would- Doing Shakespeare or something, then, or Dickens. Yeah,
1: because that's a play.
0: (laughs) Of course, if you take a play, you're going to use the dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just saying, you've got a. This version of Romeo and Juliet's a lot more street cred than I remember. I'm just saying, you have some source material as opposed to just what's in your head. Steph, any any reactions there to the facts?
3: Only just realized that there were a lot of female characters in here and nearly none. And every time they'll have conversations, nearly never mentioned any of the male characters
1: oh the, yeah this is a film Passes that was absolutely yeah past the back. i was dying to say that earlier <laughs> sorry Ray. no no it's all good i'm glad it came up speaking of things i wanted to say earlier that can come up can i now say yes yeah yeah so the voice of
0: shia khan was in this film <laughs> yeah so george sanders uh so do
1: basically yeah
0: so he is the voice of shia khan in jungle book and as he was talking i was like where do i know this guy's voice from and then
1: see i i pegged i pegged it quite quickly i just didn't want to assume so when i did the imdb i was like yes i was right
0: but something else fun i found from it was that he played shia khan but can you also guess like what other kind of franchise he's been in batman he was Mister Freeze in the Adam West TV show. Oh dear lord! So it's literally like him, like I think, doing some sort of like Scandinavian sort of accent or something. And it's basically just him in like a silver suit with like a bunch of like robber kind of looking guys, and he's just there in like you know with smoke around him and ice, and then I think whether it's in the same episodes or eventually but he has just kind of like a space suit on essentially with like a gun but yeah you're kind of it's weird to hear him with the kind of same inflection and the same mm. kind of like pompousness but with some weird kind of like arnie schwarzenegger kind of accent at the same. that's the time. sort of time where you question what's happened to your career so yeah he's had a very varied career i would say but again like a lot of these actors they they went on to do loads of things but you can really see how their heyday and their prime time was during the 50s and the 60s and stuff like that so yeah definitely an influential film uh which leads us nicely to the movie vault this week uh so for anyone new to the podcast we'd like to think of this as a time capsule of memorable movies for someone to dig up in the future so should all about eve from 1950 gain the honor of a place in our movie vault and be remembered for all time die has um departed now uh as he was feeling a bit ill, as we've already established. So what does Di think about uh, whether all about uh, all about Eve, whether that should go in the movie vault?
4: No, I don't think it needs to go in the movie vault. It's all right. You know, Betty Davis is brilliant, but there's probably a better, she's got better movies out there.
0: <laughs> Mic drop. Bye-bye. She's got <laughs> yeah, bye. better movies <laughs> you out you there. Thanks, Di. Bye-bye. I should probably sing that again later because that was clever. That was really clever. So that's uh, Di's uh, thoughts and opinions there. Um, let's go to the person who has the most experience with this film uh, next. So, Stefanos, what do you think?
3: I think it we'll would be a way too dishonest if I say no at this point. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, such like, a Boulevard is already in your vault, so it'd be nice to have and one more thing that these two uh, films are connected with. So... Yeah, uh, both of them released the same year, both of them being up for Oscars and also being in the Movie Vault. So yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, well, that's why I thought was interesting context again is of like what's already in there and it's the fact that Sunset Boulevard's in there. I was like, oh, is this going to be detrimental or to its benefit? Um, Sarah, what what do you think? Not so much specifically about Sunset Boulevard, but just this film as a standalone going in.
2: Uh, I mean, obviously it's very different to Demolition Man. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you could say it. <laughs> yeah, I many don't think it will cause as um, much um,
0: arguments. Well, I never know, depending on what the answer is.
2: Well, um yeah, I thought that overall this was, you know, we've talked about a lot of the negatives, but I do think it was a good film. There's lots of things to take away from it that I really enjoyed. I would watch it again. It's like a good Sunday afternoon film. Maybe you're doing something at the same time. I would definitely watch it again. um So I think it should go in the vault. Well,
0: okay. Interesting. So, yeah, I think for me, It was more that Sunset Boulevard being in there element and especially lately because again we're talking about like how things are changing and how the episodes are influencing each other and especially again what Darren was saying a few weeks ago in our Full Monty episode of having that like you know you might not get this chance again and is something already in there representing that. And even though again we've made the point before of again a film doesn't need to necessarily only be representing something or if it doesn't represent something doesn't mean it's not a good film. As we said, you know, we are well good movies. Is it worth watching? Is it a good movie? Um, and I definitely would agree that it is. I think, uh, like Sarah said, I think it's a great Sunday movie. I think there shows all the great strengths of that time in Hollywood. But I think it's just for me, unfortunately, it's because the very core of this film is about that kind of like Hollywood and those jaded stars. And because that is all pretty much in Sunset Boulevard, I think obviously there's some slight variations. But I think because the the main purpose and the main story of it is in another film which most of us have said is done more successfully in another film which is in the vault i'd have to disagree with steph in the sense i don't think it then means that they should go hand in hand i think it's that that film is already there in some way or concept and i think the yes obviously betty davis does a fantastic performance um, and it's a great film with some great dialogue etc but i'm not sure if i could then say oh well that brings it above all other films at that time period, which might star Betty Davis or Marilyn Monroe.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm broadly in agreement. I think at the point where we've mentioned Sunset Boulevard so many times, but we've never really had that opportunity to say, here's what this film does more successfully mm. than Sunset Boulevard. I think at that point for me, that comparison is detrimental for me wanting to put it in. Especially considering the like, I've look. I'm obviously not going to downplay the good parts of this film um, as a whole. I agree. I think I think it's wonderfully written insofar as like the the character interactions. I just think that the focus of where those interactions needed to happen were in unbalanced areas. Uh, I think that the way it's blocked, and I think the final final scene. Steph is right. I think it is very a very well shot. But at the point where I think the the character progression wasn't going in the wasn't going in the way that naturally made sense in some areas uh whereas with somerset boulevard the way in which they wanted to focus on the idea of reclaiming lost fame and the ways in which sort of that idea of fame corrupts people and just warps them i think was much more successful um so that's why i think in that comparison i think unfortunately because there have been a lot of films that we've done in that sort of we've done the side-by-side comparisons and we've discarded for whatever reasons. That's why I'm on the side of, I don't think it makes it in this time. Again, I think this were a case of if, if there were segments of the vault where we would put certain things of films, uh, in for different reasons. So for example, when we talked about the brave little toaster, I said, if we could have like a segment just for music, I put the music of that film in, um, at the very least here, I would definitely put in, um, I would put in performances, right? Mm-hmm. Even the same for when we, like ages ago, when we did Aaron Brockovich, right? I thought it should have gone in purely because of Sandra Bullock's performance, but obviously it didn't go in because the Wait, consent.
2: What? Sandra Bullock. So,
1: did I? I've screwed that up. That's my <laughs> yes. mistake. Yeah, Julia yeah. Roberts. <laughs> Julia <Junior laughs> Roberts. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs>
2: oh my god!
1: Look, it's not that hot. memorable. <laughs> look, it's hot here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly recovering from sunstroke, and just you, you picture it. yeah you picture a woman's eyes (laughs) and you you just imagine a different face around them i'm sorry like it's the betty davis eyes (laughs) effect so yeah that mistake aside i don't forget invalidates any of my actual arguments uh that's why i think unfortunately i don't think this film goes in
0: i well i think it's like we've said before, again, without getting complex, of being like, oh well, there's different things in the vault for different reasons, etc. Like you know, this bit of a film could go in. I think it's just purely like you know, if we're in this world in which that film can still exist, yeah, you yeah. can still seek out that piece of music or that performance. I think it's just that, again that you know, if you want to make that separation of these are the more exceptional or this is that great representation of it, and I think it's it's a unique situation because we've not had it before in which actually the we're, thing we're comparing it to is already in the vault. But also we've not had it in which like. They're both stellar, you know, in which something was yeah, well. Like, it's yeah. still good, or it didn't do it as well, or something is like, oh, it's an okay film, or it's a nice film, but it's just not good enough on it, you know, like something like Rush Hour, which we're talking For me, about this earlier. is just
1: vindication because Sunset Boulevard didn't win the Oscar and this did.
0: <laughs> this is my no, 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 no. They were retroactively correcting history. <laughs> but I think I think it's just the fact that yeah, you can still have a film that can be exceptional, can be fantastic, can be brilliant but not necessarily, again, go in the vault because of various reasons. And maybe that means that this film will also be another one I can use as a example apart from having to use avatar every time i have to mention a famous good well good in some eyes film you know not not going into the vault i think if this film was to be on the side it should just have the title the stefanos give it earlier which is just all about eve brackets it's not though (laughs) that's what we'll remember that's just what the director's cut is yeah Mm. (laughs) so yeah Another film not in the vault this week will next time's film break this chain, but we don't know what that film is yet, but it will be decided through our always fun endgame. We're
3: in the endgame now. It's
1: Okay, endgame time. This game is simply called The Spotlight is on Who. So, obviously this is a film very much about the lives of fake actors, and it got me thinking about, all of the various actors within, or I should say, actors within films and TV that are quite influential. So what I've done is I've got a list of a variety of different actors who are in films. So these are the actor characters, not the actual real life actor who plays them. Mm-hmm. So, for exa- uh, so for example, if I were to give you the name Eve Harrington, what I'm looking for then is the film or TV show that they appear in. So, David, if I were to say to you, Eve Harrington, they appear in All about Eve. Correct. So, what this will be, this is a quick fire round, so I'll read them out, and then you effectively will buzz in uh if you think you've got the answer. So for this, I'll need your idea of a virtual buzzer. In this case, it's just either saying uh your name or like a word of your choice. So, Sarah, if what would your buzzer be?
2: Um, um... Margot,
1: Margot, and Steph.
3: Now for the modern
2: classic, Barbie,
1: Sublime. So we've got Margot versus Sublime. We've had we've had weirder confrontations on this show.
3: That's the
0: next A twenty four film, <laughs> Margot versus Sublime. But
1: as David alluded to, we need to know exactly what it is that we'll be playing for. So as always, we'll be choosing the film for next episode based on this game. So I believe all four of us have a suggestion of something we would like to see put forward. So I'll guess if you win, you can choose either your film or one of the other film suggestions going forward. So this time I think we'll start with Steph, give us a little teaser about the film that you'd bring forward and why.
3: Uh, so I changed mine three times during the podcast. <laughs> okay. Because okay, I'm like, I don't know anymore. Because uh, uh, I was saying so many things about it, all about it. And I'm like, oh, that's actually a really good connection with that one. I think I'm going to go with a film from uh, 19, uh, Sorry, 1979. And it is about the performing arts. And both Broadway and Hollywood. Yes, that's about it.
1: Okay, interesting. David, tell us a little bit about your film.
0: Uh, So mine is from 1968, so 18 years after the film we're discussing today. And my main inspiration with this one was, again, we're talking about, like, things that are indicative of the time i think this is very indicative of the time it was made but also we're talking about adaptations and theatrics and i think that in this film all about eve it's obviously about the theater and about staging so it got me thinking about other films which have been adapted in some way or have been continued even into things like stage plays and this is a very specific example because it's not even an actually full form stage play it's a play within another piece of media so the film i'm suggesting it takes uh this is the original source material and we've seen it kind of referenced and adapted in different ways and it kind of takes the theatricality of these kind of movies um and has a lot of fun uh well th- this original source material has a lot of the theatrics which we expect but in adaptations we've seen a lot of fun poked at the and we've seen the kind of theatrics that play out in this movie, such as somebody not knowing how to play the piano anymore, but then they suddenly can.
3: Wait, wait which, which
1: year was that?
0: 1968.
1: I think I know what David's doing. Yeah. He's being such a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> you are such, such a prick. Okay, moving on. Sarah, well, tell us a little bit about your suggestion.
2: Okay, so my suggestion, um, it came out in 1977 and it's very much similar to All About Eve sort of thematically. Again, it sort of focuses around the theatre and the behind the scenes and people within those roles. And again, it also is the same in the fact that it focuses around a older actress um, who is focuses in her sort of last few days in the lead up to an opening night of her next play. And then there's some events that unfold that, cause her to spiral and the people around her and it's just this very much sort of consuming event as the tension builds to the opening of this play
1: okay fantastic and finally my film suggestion from 2004 so you've all gone for the performing arts i i have not i focused on a different aspect of this film connection which is that i mentioned earlier that a lot of the films we've been covering recently have been very uh, like, women confrontational, and I don't think that the ways in which they've been done has necessarily been done in a very good way. Uh, I think I have a film in which this is done in probably the only setting where I think you actually get any form of intrigue and relatability to this, which is very much a, a teenage school setting. So I've chosen the film which is very culturally relevant insofar as the ways in which a lot of these sort of battles with each other play out. Uh, and I would love love for us to discuss it on this film podcast but will i get that chance or will it be one of the other various film suggestions that we have in front of us only time will tell and by that i mean the winner of this end game so contestants are you ready yes okay so your first actor we'll start with blousey brown
2: margot yep charlie brown snoopy something like that
1: (laughs) unfortunately that is not correct
2: i don't know
3: (laughs)
1: steph do you have any guess
3: blasey brown blasey brown i feel i've heard this name before i don't know why i'm rhyming (laughs) i don't know Um, was any of that rhyming (laughs) wait 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 okay is something that I don't like. I think something I don't like. Is it something like, uh, like, oh, it's a stupid musical with the kids? Uh, it with could be something Malone.
1: Five, four, <laughs> <Looney> Tunes, <laughs> three, two. Uh, something One. Malone.
3: Uh, the, the Brownie Malone. No,
1: Right <laughs> close. Is the answer we're looking for Brownie Malone? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's <Bugsy>. not. <laughs> I, I cannot accept that <laughs> even though bugsy oh, e. malone right. is right. the correct answer
0: oh wow i'm glad i was like tempted to give it to you like just say it just to be like
3: you know uh, it's I because because we had the show when i was used to working in theater
0: yeah it's
1: it's why i thought people might know it to be fair
3: <laughs>
2: okay are we ready
1: for it. the next actor truman burbank
2: oh margo The truman show yes that is correct
1: he may not know it, but he is an actor yeah, in his was, own I was
0: show. Like, that's an interesting way of thinking about it, yeah. Yeah.
1: Are we ready for the next contestant, uh, for the next actor? Go on. Misa Amani.
3: Oh, yours says shows, uh, Sublime. Yep. Steph? Yeah, uh, Death Note.
0: That is correct.
2: I've never seen this thing.
0: Yeah. And there is a film adaptation, actually, isn't there, for Netflix?
1: Yeah, but I'm not
2: sure if she
1: appears in it, because I've, I've not done that to myself. <laughs> Okay, I, Next.
3: Think, I think they gave her a different name, but yeah, don't watch it.
1: Yeah. Next up, we have
3: Johnny Cage. Sublime. Steph? I think I'm going to hate myself, but it's Mortal Kombat. You hate yourself, this is the correct answer. <laughs> yeah.
0: It also sounds like Steph is like replying to the, the, the answer, you know, to the yeah. Johnny Cage. Sublime. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> Next up,
1: Kirk Lazarus. Sublime, Steph.
3: Oh, uh, I hate that I know this shit. It's so toxic. <laughs> Tropic Thunder.
0: That is also correct. I was waiting for Tropic Thunder to show up.
3: I'm doing so bad.
1: <laughs> it's fine. There's every chance that you'll uh, you can come up. I mean, I I don't think it's possible that Steph will know every single one of these. No. Right. Next up, Satine.
2: Margot.
1: Sarah. Alien. It's unfortunately not Alien. Alien, the film famous for (laughs) actors. (laughs) Sorry. Steph, any guess?
3: It doesn't help that I just watched Ahsoka and I'm thinking only Sabine right now. And
0: And Satine is in Clomos.
3: (laughs) Yes, well, so this is not helping. Um,
0: And you're wearing a Grogu t-shirt as
3: well. In a Grogu (laughs) t-shirt. Can you tell me if it's a show or a film?
0: Oh yeah, this is a film.
1: I think there's only ever I think there's only one other TV show on this list, so uh pass. The answer I was looking for was Moulin Rouge.
2: Oh, oh of course.
1: I originally I originally had Christian, but I thought that was way too hard, so I changed it to teen. Right. Next up. Rick Dalton.
3: Sublime. Steph? Oh uh, once upon a time of Hollywood. Why do uh. I know all the toxic ones? <laughs> mm.
1: Okay. Let's see if this falls in line with uh, Steph's uh, characterization of Toxic. Because we next up we have Mr. Peanut Butter. Really? This is oh, a surprise. Oh,
3: uh, sublime. Steph. <laughs> uh Bojack Horseman. Yes, that uh, is correct.
2: It's You're the... picking things I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> so there's I'm... a
0: lot of bewildered faces from I mean, Sarah in this game. I
2: thought
1: Bojack Horseman was.
0: Well known. I think it's it's tricky though when you have to put yourself in the space of television and film. That's the thing as well. Okay. He said there's only one more, so I guess well, that was the TV yeah, one. That's, so. that's gone. And-
1: also, there should be absolutely no excuse for this next one. Oh, right. Next up, Nora Desmond.
0: It's been said <laughs> several times. <laughs> no. Oh, movie, my. Movie Vault.
2: <laughs> oh oh margot i
1: so this is tricky um i think steph oh. whispered sublime but i'm not sure i think <laughs> i will give it to sarah because sarah was clearer sarah
2: i'm gonna lose anyway so um sunset boulevard
1: yes Yay. yeah and I'll, I'll also say this is another film that has been mentioned granted not to the same extent but the next actress we have is mia dolan it's a film that Sarah thinks is overrated.
3: Sublime. Steph? La La Land. Yeah.
2: I'm going to flip this table.
3: Hey, hey, I, I got La, La Land, you got Sansa Boulevard, so <laughs> fair trade.
1: Moving on, number 11.
3: Gem. Pardon? Uh, could you uh, repeat, please? Uh... Gem.
1: I'll give you a hint. Gem is also in the name of the film.
2: Uh, Margot. Yep. Uncut gems. <laughs>
1: oh. Not that kind of gem, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a it's a it's with a J, not a G, unfortunately. Oh,
2: you didn't tell me that.
1: <laughs> uh, the
3: sublime. Yep. Gem and the holograms.
0: That is the answer we were looking yeah, for. Yes. I, I was trying to think of the name of that. Is that like based off a show or something? Or...
3: It's a. Graphic
1: novel, is it not? Oh, okay. I think. I don't know. All right. So, David, let's just have a look at the scores.
0: So, uh, it is six to Stefanos and two points to Sarah.
1: <laughs> There's every chance we can end in a draw. Next up, Gary
0: Johnston. A Gary's always going to be a tricky one,
2: isn't it? No one called Gary.
1: <laughs> not anymore. There aren't. They've actually written studies. It's becoming an extinct name. <laughs>
0: My poor dad.
1: I'll give you a hint. This is a puppet film.
2: Margot? Yep. The Muppets.
1: It is not The Muppets, unfortunately. (laughs) But not a bad guess, given they also have some incredibly human names at times.
3: Mm. So it's not a Muppet film?
1: It's... Well, it's not The Muppet.
3: Ah. I mean, obviously, it's not Treasure Island. Uh, Sublime? Go for it. Muppets Most Wanted.
1: It's not Muppets Most Wanted. Damn it. So Steph, you'll be happy. This is a toxic one you didn't get. This was okay. Team America World Police. Uh,
0: that good, other puppet good. film. <laughs> I guess the fact that Craig said puppet that I was... It's a puppet like, film that I desperately want to talk about on this show at some point. It's because, because you said... Pu- like You wouldn't have obviously said Muppet, it's, but I think yeah. you wouldn't have said Puppet if it wasn't... Yeah, yeah. You know, Thunderbird style.
1: Okay. So next up, Don Lockwood.
2: Margot. Yep. Don, John? Is that a film?
1: I have no idea, what it's is not... a the, film, but... That is a film. That is not the answer I'm looking for, unfortunately. Any any guesses, Steph?
3: I think I'm having an aneurysm. <laughs> I know that name That's That's so what well. I aim for. Why do I know that name? Uh, sh- I'm going to go for a guess. Go for it. But I think it's correct. Uh, Sublime. Yep. Uh, S- Singing in the Rain.
1: That is the correct answer. Oh. Thank
3: goodness. <laughs>
2: It's a bad time to say I've never seen Singing in the Rain. Ooh.
1: Okay, next. And I think you'll want to be quick off the mark on this one. Sarah Marshall. Margot. There we go, Sarah. Forgetting Sarah Marshall? That is correct. Yeah. Yep. Just That's needs a bad to... film. <laughs> right. The final actor we have, Trevor Latterly. Sublime. Steph.
3: <laughs> Damn it. Oh, Iron Man 3slash Sun and the Legends of the Ten Rings. Oh, that is
0: specifically correct. Yeah, answer. I was I, like, as you said, Iron Man 3, I was like, oh, I'm going to jump in and be like, oh, and you could have another film, but you did it for me.
3: I can't believe I didn't get Sunset Boulevard, but I caught all the other movies
1: <laughs> 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 So, David, give us a breakdown of those final scores.
0: So, it ended with Sarah on a respectable three points, but Stefanos taking the win with eight.
3: I feel so, dirty. Well done.
2: Well done.
1: Scott. Congratulations. Yeah. You, you know your actors within films. How
3: do you feel? Yeah, it's, why couldn't I know the nice ones? <laughs> why did I have to know the black face and the other ones? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so as the winner, you get a choice of any one of the four films that you have. So do you want to go with your film? Do you want to go with Sarah's, mine or David's?
3: Uh, and I still don't know what they are you see Craig your 2004 film I feel it's gonna be something I don't like I don't know why I have that feeling so I'm not gonna go there <laughs> uh Dave I'm always scared of your choices <laughs> <laughs> um you know what I'll, I'll 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 be because obviously my decision was like the third choice within the last 2 hours so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i'm i'm going to go with Sarah's
1: hey <laughs> there we go everybody's a winner yeah yeah
3: thanks so for but what was it though
1: <laughs> yeah so Sarah that was the time tell us a little bit about why you chose this film but then fundamentally what the film is
2: so yes as i mentioned before this the, this film was very much thematically similar to All About Eve but in a bit more a more modern setting in 1977 um, so the film I've chosen is Opening Night. Oh, okay, I haven't I haven't seen it personally, but it seems oh. to be popular amongst theatre fans, and um, it just yeah, it seemed to be very similar in terms of the narrative which Margot goes on in this sort of journey. So I was curious to see that as well. So hopefully everyone else is excited for that one as well.
1: Nice. I'm, I'm a big fan of people who come in with, with blind choices. Um, a couple of episodes, I I got criticised for blindly suggesting films.
0: I wouldn't say you got criticised, they were just they were, they were, yeah, con- they were just... No, they were confused. Okay.
1: It was just like, wait, you've never seen it, but you're suggesting it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be critically pretty good. You know, the reviews were good on Letterboxd. So oh, that's not, what,
1: that's not the films I blindly choose. I, I blindly choose crap.
0: But yeah, anyway, opening night uh, that you can catch if you want to watch along with us at home. Always worth wa- uh, check checking, um, just watch or some other apps or just having a look around your streaming services. Because sometimes this can be obviously a bit more outdated by the time the episode comes out. But currently, uh, you can catch it as a part of your subscription with Mubi or BFI Player, uh, which are also both amazon channels which again sometimes they just decide oh, let's just put it on amazon so search it up on amazon and you'll see whether it's a part of a subscription for another service you have to pay for it or whether it's part of amazon uh, but you can also rent it on places like chili um as well and yeah possibly there's a physical release out there as well maybe sarah will have a look in the vhs corner once uh, once the recording's done she'll uh, dust it off uh, amongst the dvd and blu-ray section but yeah i think uh we're in for an interesting time, especially after again we've talked about Showgirls, Neon Demon, all about Eve, and then the opening to this summary says actress Myrtle Gordon is a functioning alcoholic. Oh, so, sh- <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so will will Sarah be bringing the chaos once more? But bear in don't. mind, this is also now going to be our lead into Halloween as yeah. well. <laughs> oh god. So, Sarah, are you happy that you might have led to psycho women, you know, horror films or something like that?
2: Hey, that's sort of the kind of feminism, you know, making them the killers. So
0: <laughs> OK, right. Well, yeah, thank you very much for joining us uh, both and joining us on the World Good Movies crew. It's been very fun uh, as a collective uh, introducing everyone at home to uh, some of the people who will be joining us uh, more regularly. And we can't uh, wait to welcome more of the regulars on and we'll still have special guests as we always do as well joining us Uh, anything you guys want to shout out in terms of any projects anything to go watch you'll see
2: i mean i'm always on youtube uh talking films um there's a few reviews coming up a few new releases teenage mutant ninja turtles past lives so if you've been at the cinema recently head over to my channel it's probably the best thing to do and hear my thoughts which i'm sure everyone will disagree with
3: um, well, right now I'm moving in between places, so I'm doing that for now. Uh, but I will be purchasing my tickets for the BFR Film Festival this year. Uh, specifically uh, making savings for that. I'm really looking forward to it. And also I'm working on my own scripts at the moment, well working just me sitting silently in a room just look staying on the wall and I'm like, just write. Just right and nothing happens but yeah uh, but I'll be looking forward to your views on opening night that is actually one of my favorite uh, John Cassavetes films uh, I've, I'm very happy that one went in because I really want to see your point of view in all this because oh <laughs> John <laughs> Cassavetes is a hoot I'm a wasp hoot rest in peace yeah, well, we
0: can't wait to discuss that film it's going to be a fun one next time but um, Myself, if people do uncheck uh, my socials as well, even, uh, you can catch me at David Oscar on X or whatever you want to call that now. Um, that's where I'll be giving sort of opinions of things they're watching, whether that's cinema trips after going with Craig um, or things that I'm watching in between all these crazy films as well. Uh, Craig, anything lastly from yourself?
1: Yeah, I've just got something I, I, I want to whisper to you. Right. That <laughs> I would want you at all. Suddenly strikes me. As the height of improbability.
0: <laughs> okay. Sarah's face here, like, what is going on?
2: I feel like we should mean Steph shouldn't be here. That was very interesting.
0: No, no, I, th- I think you need to be here for his safety. The fear on my face probably was like, call the police. <laughs> okay, so yeah, join us next time anyway for opening night. Uh, it's been a great discussion today, talking about all about Eve. We hope the die gets better as well. And uh, yeah, we'll see uh everyone next time and it's uh, been a lot of fun catch you guys next time Bye-bye. bye 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 to keep up with the latest episodes of well good movies you can listen to us on all your usual podcast outlets including apple google spotify youtube and more don't forget to follow us subscribe and rate us where you can to keep our podcast growing you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at well Good Movies to keep up with the latest news and highlights from all our episodes, as well as tell us what movies you want to be discussed in the future. So what are you waiting for? Go check out the film we'll be discussing in next time's episode. I'm
2: going to flip this table.